Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed, episode 76. I am briefly stopping in Kyle Gold. And I'm... Wow. <laughs> That's what she said? I don't know what to respond to that one. <laughs> Hi, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Cam Hirosaki. Cam <laughs> Hirosaki, everybody. Um, yes, we are uh, back at our discreet mountain bunker location in between trips to San Francisco and Atlanta. Or what do we call it? The ATL? And or Hotlanta. And or Hotlanta. I'll be sure to say that a lot while we're out there. Um, we're very excited to be going to FWA. Um, they've been very nice and kind of asking me to come out several times over the years. I'm very pleased to finally be able to accede to their requests. And I'll be doing some panels out there, and I'm going to be doing what promises to be a very fun um, podcast with Fuzzwolf, because apparently when we can't Take do our... pictures. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Apparently when we can't do our own podcast, we're just desperate enough to do some kind of podcast, and we'll fill the void. Fill that gaping hole in our lives. Yes. That's what she said. No, no, no. I was going to say, speaking of which, I did not come back from Texas with that condom Flame gave me. Oh. Woo-hoo. And that's all I'll say about that. I was on top. No, I- <laughs> Go on, quickly. I would... Oh, I, well, I'm, yeah. I guess otherwise you'd just be like, I didn't want to make a mess. Oh... Ah, uh, why'd you have to go there? I don't know. You've never done that? <laughs> I'm not saying I've never done th- Wow, why are we talking about this in front of, like, all our hundreds oh, of listeners? Serious writing podcast is serious. So, hey, speaking of serious writing, the Ursa Major Awards were announced um, recently. Less recently at the time you hear this than as of right now. But, but they'll still have about a month to vote. They'll still have... Uh, I think voting closes April 17th. Yeah. Is that um, right? Yeah. So, um, there are certain nominated items of note. <laughs> Cam thought he could get away with taking a drink there because he doesn't have anything personally nominated. But, um, I have a... I have a novel in the run-in again. Shadow of the Father is nominated. Congratulations. Yay. Um, and I have two short pieces. Uh, one is Bridges, and the other is False Dawn, which was the out-of-position bonus story. Uh, I really didn't have much else that was eligible last year. I think there were a couple stories, but like the Unsheathed Presents number four would have been eligible. But... <laughs> Oh, wow. That was my other thing, other than single, that would have been eligible, was how to stick your muzzle where it doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want that nominated for a major <laughs> award. I know, right? But um, I'm I'm still amused that Bridges got nominated in the short category, which they specifically say is under 40,000 yeah, words. isn't Bridges over 50? It's I don't think it's over 50, but it's over 40 for sure. Uh, and I've uh, said yeah. that many times, and I told people to nominate it as a novel, but the Ursa's... Do what the Ursas want to do. On so. the one hand, I was like, 
on the one hand, it's kind of shenanigans that this isn't a novel. On the other hand, I think Bridges has a better chance of winning short fiction than Shadow of the Father does at winning novel. The competi- I just mean the competition is stricter in novel than... Well, you have two of the five nominations in well, yeah. short stories. That so. don't necessarily signify. No. Um... I actually, I mean, given the popularity of the out-of-position characters, I wouldn't be surprised if False Dawn stood stronger than Bridges. I'm not saying either one of them's going to win, because um, my our other furry cupcake was also nominated for short fiction, which was The Peculiar Quandary of Simon Canopus Artile by Rikoshi, who also is in the novel category with Seventh Chakra, which, uh, so yay, congrats to Ricky. Um... One of the things I noted in my live journal about the novel category is that there are six novels, um, and all six of them are fan-generated. And I've not gone back to check, but I do believe that that is a first for the Ursa Majors. I believe yeah, in I'm- all previous years there's been at least one novel. Like last year, I think, Tale, was it Tales from Watership Down, or was that the year before? Uh, I think that was two years ago. Okay. Last year, I know there was another one that was... Sort it of was mainstreamy. Yeah, I, I forget what it was called, but I remember it being in there because I had never heard of it. Uh, yeah. But I looked it up. I was like, "Oh, that's why." But um, but I think that's really cool. I mean, oh, absolutely, the fandom's producing a lot of not just a lot of content because last year there were a bunch of novels released also, but they're producing a bunch of content that people are reading and that people are judging good enough to nominate. Yes. Um, so I'm sorry if I accidentally implied that Shadow of the Father wasn't a good novel. I don't mean that at all. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, your your point was taken. There are many popular. No- I mean, Save the Day is still Fur Planet's what number two seller on their latest list. Oh, released. I haven't looked for March yet or February. Uh, February, yeah, January, February. He combined. Okay. Um, Smiling the Hero is number one. Oh, excellent! By friend of the program, not yes. Tube. Unsheathed own. Yes. Although I guess we have Unsheathed Zone Zia McCorgy now, too, after last week. Yes, and Zia McCorgy. Um, Safe Day was number two. Um, I forget what was number three. I know Bridges was number four, which I was like, still? It's been a year, but so that's kind of cool. I was trying to think of what else was popular for... Um, I got the end of your sales It wasn't Resisting Bridges, Arrest, was it? kind of cool. Uh, it was, actually. Okay. That was, that was number three. Okay. Yes. Because I know that that did pretty well at Furry Fiesta. Yes, it did. Um, Phil is a very sweet guy, and we had a lovely book release party for him. There was a lot of wine at that party. Apparently there was. (laughs) A couple of other notable nominations for the Ursas. Sarah Palmer's lovely cover for Shadow of the Father was nominated. And Camelway's lovely cover for Seventh Chakra was nominated. Yeah, um, we need to make him unsheathe his own camelway at some point. We do. We need to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have other potential guest news, but I'll toss to you about that after the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now we've just teased our listeners. Somebody will be in town soon that I think we might want to get on the show. Ooh. You teased your producer. I know. I'll <laughs> tell you as soon as we're done. Awesome. Um. Oh, is that who I know is going to be in town already? Possibly. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah, and also... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all. No, that actually wasn't who I was talking about. Oh, okay. Oh. No. Oh, never mind then. Um, so, the uh, yeah, that, that must have been real exciting for you people listening. I'm sorry, <laughs> I apologize for that. Hey, period of silence followed by Kamir Saki going, No! <laughs> Palpatine's behind it all. 
Um, uh, those two covers were nominated. Um, the uh, New Fables cover was also nominated, which I like quite a yes, bit. Yes, that, that, was, that uh, Mary Mouse. That is that is one of the most gorgeous pieces of cover art I've seen ever, like on anything, not even just furry stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just I love like it's like the that bright green is so attention grabbing, and it's just it's just like a gorgeous image. It just really just jumps. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a beautiful cover. Um, New Fables and Heat are also nominated. Uh, I did not have anything in New Fables this past year, but um, and actually, nor did I have anything in Heat this past year. No, but I will have one in Heat this coming year, and so will I. That's right. Oh, that's right because we already made the joke that we're in Heat together. Yes, with foosball. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tell Tansy she was right. Mer, Mister Hacksaw Rat. <laughs> Uh, I would make a joke about hacksaws, but I don't think I want to. Uh, also, um, Vince Suskawa's collection, ISO Volume 1, was nominated, which I enjoy uh, as a strip, but also because I have an appearance in it. Uh, is it you or Vol or both? Well, the bar is called Kyle's. Oh. And I leave it to the reader's imagination to figure out who the cute bartender with the gold pendant is. Oh. Uh, uh, and we're very excited that um, the FBA got a nomination. Yes. You know, because when we realized too late that we had gotten our call to action, you know, like after the nominations were already closed, I was afraid it wasn't going to get nominated, but I guess they were on the ball themselves. Yeah. And uh, we we actually hung out with B-Hop recently, and he's very excited about it. And, and we are too. And we're kind of hoping that this, as I think we said, that this helps push fandom creativity into that direction yeah because there's already Ferraticon. there's other there's sort of the beginnings of some other furry games yeah and it would I, I look forward to the time when like the novel category the games category is entirely fan generated yeah i mean out of all of the categories i mean there's a ton of great stuff up for nomination in all the categories but the one i have like a real serious vested interest in seeing winning is to see the FBA take the game category. Yeah. Because the other things I saw, like, okay, like, you know, big studios, like, that aren't going to, they're going to make the Ursa What's now. Like, right, right. And honestly, and, you know, the for novels, novels if, it, if it's not my novel, it's going to be someone else in the fandom. Yeah. If it's and, not my short stories, it's going to be someone yeah, else in the and, fandom. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, and, we'll be happy for somebody here, and, like, that's sort of a given. Right. And But, you know, to see the recognition given to the FBA because like it's 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 not just B Hop but like also like all the people who contribute for their characters whenever they do the character draft the people who do all the voice acting and just putting everything together and the you pictures know, of the yeah characters. just tons of fan art. I mean it, it really is just one of the most incredible pieces of like fan driven content that I've seen. And it's and it's all just for fun. Like nobody's yeah. making money off of it or anything no, exactly. like that. Um, we actually had a, a good talk with uh, B-Hop, Kit and I did, about uh, other other directions he can go. He has a ton of ideas about stuff he would like to do with the FBA, and we were trying to figure out how we could help facilitate some of it. Um, but I will leave that to him to announce. Maybe we'll have him back on the show at some point to talk about it. I, I should rephrase that. We will definitely have him back on the show. I don't know if that's what uh, he'll be talking about. But um, say we, already had, which, we already had Flane back. We need B-Hop back. Yeah. Speaking of which... Um, Whatever the either the most recent or the next, I don't know, it's 
whatever, it's mid-March now, so the FBA podcast that goes up sort of mid-March-ish uh-huh. um, features me as my character this time. Ooh. I'm playing Blathnacht. He's a Nebraska boy. Oh, because you already did the voice for Blonde Mange, right? I did. Yeah. I did. He, he was a deep-voiced wolf. I have to. I have to remember how to do his voice. <laughs> I am a big low. wolf. I kick. I am a big wolf. <laughs> I tipped. I pushed the ball. I give the ball a pretty push. <laughs> that was what. That was it. Pretty push. Um, no, but Blaz a little higher voice, and he's got a, so out there in the Midwest. They've got those big flat plains, and all their vowels are really big and flat. So when I was doing Blaz's voice to get into it. Um, I, I listened to a, a video of Nebraska basketball. So whenever I was trying to do his, his words, I would start with that Nebraska basketball, and then I would do his lines. See, but that's coach, what they sound I like. I didn't know the, which way he was going to run. I was going to say, because that's the way they sound out in the Midwest and not in Alaska, despite what Sarah Palin might want you to think. Oh, yeah. Don't you know? I'm very Alaskan. I was like, you no, know, you're not from Fargo. <laughs> You're from Wasilla. Um, there is still, sadly, no podcast category. Nope. Um, even though we've, we'll, uh, I mean, we could, we could fill a, a category just like off the top of our heads between. I mean, it's like quick somebody like us, let's let's all FBA notcast unfurled um, anthropodcast because that's coming back. It's coming he's, back. Um, he's bringing it back. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a bunch of podcasts out there, and people are doing some really cool things with them. So quick, everyone, harass and badger the Ursa majors until they have a podcast category, so that Unsheathed can lose to Notcast. Yes. <laughs> um, but seriously, this year, actually, what you can do is post your favorite podcast to the recommended reading list under Miscellaneous and specify. Oh, Anthrodreams. Dreams. That was one of the other ones. Anthro Dreams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, specify podcast. So, like, don't just write unsheathed, right? Or, or write not cast, right? Unsheathed podcast, right? You know, not cast podcast. And, you know, just keep sending in those nominations and make sure that the committee knows that this is a valid creative form that the fandom is embracing right now. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe they will do something about it eventually. I mean, we're filling pa- panel rooms to capacity. Yeah, seriously. Except for, for a fiesta, fiesta because we were opposite Rocky Horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, they gave us a really big room there. They did give us a big room. Which was pretty cool. With that giant lighting rig that was kind of scary. Um, speaking of conventions, Furry Fiesta was awesome. Uh, we were recently up at Emerald City Comic Con, which is always fun because Seattle has this kind of counterculture thing going. So there's a little bit of the OMG furries, but... Mostly people kind of just walk by and they're like, oh, furries, oh, whatever. Um, we uh, we met uh, Katie Hargrove, who was a cool artist who does um, furry critters and was super, super nice. Uh, a lot of, there's actually a lot of furry artists now who work at uh, PopCap Games. Um, <laughs> yes, Kit reminds me. Um a lot of uh, a lot of artists at comic conventions do not know how much furry fans will pay for sketches. Um, we actually had one artist do a sketch for us 
and she would not take money for it. So we had to buy things at her table. We were like, we want to give you $20. And she was like, okay. Uh, and we're like, can we buy something? And she was like, yeah, 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 buy something. So we bought a couple things from her. Um, so, uh, someone else. Uh, like somebody else charged you 10 and you're like, can I give you 25 Yes. <laughs> I think that was Katie, actually. But, oh. but And she did an amazing sketch, too. So. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we did not ask for right. We did not ask for six-limbed, uh, multi-breasted, multi- bi-penis, right? Tor bifurcated herm. penis, tor herm, vor pictures. Um, yes, kid, kid is uh, kid should have a microphone. He should be mic'd in on this one. Um, he says, approach him with PG pictures, um, and uh, just kind of let him do their style. Actually, I should say most of the pictures they did were non anthro also. And the one who was kind of anthroish was Dingbat, who knows the fandom anyway. So, and even that was still non anthro. And it was still non anthro. And she knew how much to charge. So, <laughs> yeah, Dingbat's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, yeah. none, like, none of the, none of this ten dollar shit. Yeah, that, <laughs> catch that's forty bucks. And we're like, yes, sure, that's worth it. Um, so that was cool. Uh, Lady Foxglove was there also, although we didn't get to talk to her much. Um, so it was cool. Emerald City is kind of cool in that they're very art focused. So there's a lot of space for artists and a lot of artist sign-ins and a lot of people go up there. Um, there's a lot of good cosplay. There was actually a really good Calvin and Hobbes couple where there was a, a young boy who was blonde in the Calvin shirt and his mom was dressed in these tiger pajamas walking oh, around with him. Oh, that's cute. Which was adorable. And, ah, uh, there was another one. Ah, uh, there was someone dressed as Velma. Like, Really good oh, Velma wow. costume. Really good. I'm like, sure that's not hard to find in Seattle. The glasses, the hair. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Oh. <laughs> but she was carrying a Scooby-Doo plush also. Oh, okay. Which really made it. It was very cool. So I recommend Emerald City Comic Con um, next year. Usually it takes place in the spring. If you want an excuse to go up to Seattle during a time other than rain first, which we also recommend. I'm so glad Rainforest is not on top of the hill this year. It's at the bottom of the it's hill. It's at the bottom of the hill. Which is way better. We got it's, our... it's still in a shitty part of town with nothing around it, but at least you don't have to walk up a hill every time you come back from food. But it is right next to the light rail station, which you can take downtown, and it's really convenient and cheap, <sighs> and it costs like two and a half bucks. Really? I never. Like, out of the two years I've been to Rainforest, I've never taken the light rail. Well, it wasn't completed last year. Oh, it wasn't? Yeah. Oh. Last year, they hadn't quite finished. Um, oh, that's why I had to take the bus. But, yeah, but now you can take... I mean, the light rail station is literally across the street from the Con Hotel. No, yeah, like, I remember where the station and, is. And it's like, it's like 20, 25 minutes to the downtown, and you can take it to... Um, basically, you, you can take it to the point where the monorail starts, and then you can take the monorail up to the Space Needle for another two bucks. Oh, wow, that's pretty far in Seattle. Yeah. Wow, okay. And... There's an awesome pizza place oh, up by the, mon- up by the right. Space you, Needle, too. You had me eat there. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. And then you took me to the top of the Space Needle because I was in stupid tourist mode. And then the you laughed at me because I was... It's like, I'm afraid of heights. Take me to the top of the Space Needle. Okay, step away from the edge. All right, I'm going to walk closer to it. <laughs> okay, step back. <laughs> the top of the Space Needle is kind of awesome, and you have to do it once. And the restaurant up there is not bad. It's It's overpriced, but at the same time, you get to... You sit in a revolving... Um, floor, so you get a view of the entire city, and we did it at sunset, so we got to see kind of 
a sunset view fading into a nighttime view, which was really amazing, and it was probably worth that. Yeah, because I mean, like us. the Space Needle's tall, but it's not super tall. But at the same time, it's on top of a hill. Yeah, so like you can see for. Forever. Oh, it's not on top of the hill. Oh, we, we walked up to the top of the hill. Oh, okay. you can you can look kind of down on the Space Needle from the top of Queen Anne. But, oh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, but there's nothing around it. So anyway, uh, and last weekend we were at FogCon up in San Francisco which was a literary science fiction convention, sort of old-school science fiction, the kind that I went to growing up. And it was amusing. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we do have questions. Um, But it was amusing. I had forgotten what it's like going to a right-and-focused science fiction convention. Uh, For one thing, I'm I'm a youngster at these (laughs) conventions. I think I was the youngest person in the dealer's room when I was in there with you. I think you were. I think you might have been. Um, And I'm a gray muzzle by furry standards. (laughs) And it's also, um, there were a ton of really cool books there. The dealer's room was just full of them. I could have spent four times what I did if I didn't already have a pile of books that is now almost half as tall as I am sitting next to my table waiting for me to read. That was the main reason I didn't spend more time browsing myself. Um... I still came back with, like, four new books that I need to read and, like, three more that were freebies that I, I might glance at. But um, the people there were so blithely amused to have the furries there with them, too. They were they were all pretty cool about yeah. it. They were sort of like, oh, what is this? Um, it was an interesting experience because it feels, um, and I think I mentioned this, I mentioned this somewhere in a live journal post or something, but... Um, the furry fandom just feels much more alive, energetic. Um, there's so much going on. I mean, the stuff we were just talking about, the the FBA, yeah. the, the short stories, the zines, the, the art, all that stuff. Um, the sci- Some of the science fiction communities have embraced that with the media. Yeah. But the media stuff is really limited to kind of cosplay and... yeah. We we have sort of a better sense of togetherness because with the like the you know like the science fiction like it's like hey you like to read these books I like to read these books that's cool but like furries get together like we hang out we talk about like you know like we like when you go to a furry convention it's like a hey let me hang out with all my friends from all across the country that I only see once or twice a year and it's a big social event and and some science fiction conventions are kind of like that too because a lot yeah. of the writing community and the fan community are that close knit that it's good to see them and I I, yeah. I see some of the posts from people saying oh it's great to see so and so at the convention and it's all. a lot more sedate though but it is a lot more sedate and it's a lot more focused around the books and the writing and all that. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, Furry just has um, it has so much energy to it. It's we we had I'll, I'll tell the one anecdote. We had dinner with one of uh, uh, another writer from the Outer Alliance, which is a queer science fiction fantasy group that I belong to, and he was talking about. He was kind of curious about the furry thing, so since there were a couple of us at the dinner, we we were telling him about it, and he mentioned that he was getting into steampunk, and the steampunk is this big movement. He says, "I see it exploding here, and it's exploding out here, and it's exploding here." And he was talking about the steam cons having like three hundred people, five hundred people, and he said, "So you know, how many people go to a furry con?" And we said, "Oh, further confusion, which was just down here in San Jose." I had what like uh, twenty five hundred 
and it was it was almost cartoonish, like the way his eyes bugged out at that number. <laughs> he was like, I was aware of furry, but I thought it was kind of this underground thing that it was really just like a little small click of people, and he had no idea of how big it was. Oh yeah, and we're hardcore. <laughs> we are, and people. There's there's a lot of people that that I kind of see from the periphery. I don't know anyone personally who's done this, but I, I, I kind of see it here and there who start out with, well, I'm not a fur, but I, I like hanging out in the fandom. And then like six months later, they're like, well, I had somebody draw me as a porcupine. <laughs> and then like six months later, they're like, oh yeah, my porcupine character, he was born in the forest and raised by bears, and, you know, he has a thing with his quills, and I'm getting a fursuit commissioned by him, and um, I, I have had people say that um, they were not furry until they read one of my books, which was, I'm like, yay, corrupting youth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my readers said I turned him gay. Woohoo! Yeah. Did you get your toaster? Oh, you know what? It, I think it's still in the mail. Okay. That's what he said. <laughs> but I'm like, and then, and the, well, but then I'm, I'm just using like, homonyms. But it's just like, and I'm just thinking, it's like, wait, how old are you now? Now, kick What it. year did I write that story? <laughs> oh, you're bad. Aww. <laughs> um, so it was cool. Um, it's it's the kind of thing that makes me want to walk around a science fiction convention and have people go, "Oh, you're a writer. I've read your books," but at the same time. If you gave me a choice and said, well, you could either be doing that at furry conventions or at science fiction conventions, um, I would stick with the furry conventions. Um, they're, they're so much, they're, they're a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. And speaking of that, uh, I don't know if you'll be listening to this episode before the convention happens, but um, Kit is saying, no, 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 ain't going to happen. Uh, so by the time you hear this, I will have gone to FWA. And um, I think I already talked about that a little bit. So, anyway, I'll talk about it more after it actually happens. Also, uh, before we move on, while mm-hmm. we're on that subject, I am like 90% sure that I will make it to Anthrocon this year. Woohoo! I have been looking at my budget, and I think I can swing it. So, hopefully I will be there. Came here, Saki, represent. Yes, I gotta get back out to the East Coast. I was so sad I didn't make it out last year. As were all the furs of Pittsburgh, yeah. I'm sure. Now I just need to find ways to make sure I can also afford <laughs> feral rainforest and MFF. <laughs> maybe you, uh, maybe you will have to get Flane on to give you uh, another continent before you go to Anthrocon. Oh, oh, you're opening up a whole bag of worms there. Should we move on to the email? That's back, never Kyle? mind. Yes, why don't you start? Okay. So Unsheathed Zone Atari Otter writes in with Hey Atari. Hello again, slippery and swishy ones, and anyone else who might be sharing the mountain bunker. The silent wolf. I do apologize for not writing in more often over the last while, but school got hectic and I sadly managed to fall behind on your podcast again. I know, shame on me. No, I'd, I'd, it would be shame on you if you were foregoing school to listen to our podcast. Yes, I agree. I've caught up once more, though, and I have some questions for you guys if you haven't already answered it before. They're about action sequences. Is it possible for an action sequence to run on so long that the excitement and tension uh, it is supposed to be generating wears off before the scene is finished? Yes. 
I, I was just in my mind. I replaced like action as like a euphemism for sex, and I was still just like, oh, yes, yes. Is it possible for a series of events within them to be too coincidental to be believable? Yes. <laughs> what are your thoughts and advice on action sequences in general? Yes. <laughs> As of right now, thank you. I'm working on a story that's going to have a lot of these scenes, and the one sequence I've written so far is about 1,100 words long. So any advice you two or more could share would be incredibly helpful. Thanks a ton, he said stressingly. Atari. A ton Atari sounds like it should be a palindrome somehow. (laughs) Now I'm going to try to make a palindrome out of Atari's name. That'll be my task for the next podcast. Um, so, uh, and sort of more seriously, um, main thing to keep in mind for an action sequence is there's a lot of stuff happening. I find it generally easier to write an action sequence from first or tight third person, because then you only have to worry about what one character is experiencing and you don't have to do the thing which I personally hate in action sequences, which is, um... Jay drew his gun and crouched behind the barrel. On the other side of the room, Tad was lining up his shot while Maria sprinted across the floor and jumped for the ledge where Barbara was uh, clutching her injured thigh and, you know, just just like, oh my God, what the hell is going on with all these people? I don't go by Barbara anymore. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Barbara. Um, but, uh, but if you are doing, um, third omniscient, then just keep it simple. Yeah, really less is more. Um, if you go into excruciating over exacting detail, then yes, it's like you're zoomed in too close that you can't see the bigger picture. Um, another good thing is, um, Remember that action sequences happen really fast. Yes. And short, quick sentences really help with the pacing of action. They give the reader the feel that these things are happening fast. So yeah. instead of like, you know, Barbara, Barbara <laughs> rested the rifle on the railing and sighted along it looking to get a good shot, just be like, you know, Barbara slapped the rifle onto the railing. You know, quick action verbs too. Yeah, nothing. Got nothing passive in an action sequence. Yeah, and another thing, like to to try to evoke, is if you can have something happen so quickly that the reader's like, "Whoa!" Like, how did that just suddenly happen out of nowhere? Like you would if you were actually in the moment. That really helps the sense of immersion and helps get the punch into the scene. Yep. Uh, and 1,100 words yeah. is not too long. I'll just put in that note. No, 1,100 effect. words isn't too long. Don't worry. That's actually like f- a That's fairly a third reasonable... the size of one of your sex scenes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. That was a bit too long of a sex scene, though. I don't we'll know. Talk, we'll talk about it that at a your interest date. all the way to the end. Uh, certainly did. I remember listening to uh, Infected Mushrooms' Legend of the Black Schwerma a lot while writing it. Um, but... Uh, all right. My, my my other piece of advice for this particular problem is to uh, go grab your copy of uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, uh, read the sequence with the battle in the Ministry of Magic, and don't do that. Yeah, I, I would agree. She, it's um, you want to be um, you want to make sure that your sentences are like the the descriptions of where the people are are enough to place the reader into them, 
which I think is where Rollin yeah. went a little bad on that one. It's it, they get they jump around really fast, and if she was trying to make things feel as incoherent as a battle usually <laughs> is, then she succeeded. But I don't think <laughs> I she don't think that's what she was going that. for. Yeah. But anyway, so there you go. So, Hope that helps. Greetings, oh purveyors of furry writing. I've recently been given some thought to an idea of a book I'm writing. While I was initially trying to write a story-slash-novel, which I did during the NaNoWriMo this past year and completed successfully, I started to run through the re-edits when the thought hit me, why should I not make it a series of short stories? Each story would have a different protagonist, either Serkin, my name for anthros or furries, um, I would interject, uh, no, that's probably fine. <laughs> Sitting here having written a whole novel about collations. I was just <laughs> going to say, you don't need to call furry something else. Like, oh, but I just wrote a whole novel doing that, so I guess you can. Um, God, a hypocrite. Yes, I totally am. Uh, I'm even looking at stories that would represent both. Does the idea of a series of short stories written by one author each showing a different point of view or thought seem plausible, or would that be too much? Regards, Thayaka. Okay, so I'm curious as to what he means here. Like, is he talking about covering the same sequence of events from different characters' points of view? Or is he just, like, telling a longer story broken up into shorter form with each one, like, each, like, story focusing on a different character? Because if it's the I latter, it's you the can second one. Okay, because if because you can you can do that with a novel. Yeah, you can easily do that well, with a novel. And so my my concern is the question of does he mean he's going to write the novel from several viewpoints, or is he breaking the novel up into several short stories, each from different viewpoints? Because well, you do it with bridges. Yeah, but. Each segment of Bridges is not really a complete story. Uh, but they kind of are. They're semi-complete. Uh, they kind of could stand on their own like a three-legged table. They're kind of wobbly. I would say that Finn's and Amir's story is more so than Carmilla. Or... They don't have complete arcs. No, but they're short stories. And short stories don't have complete arcs on their own. No, but they have moments. I mean, they should have... No, no, but I think that they do. I think that as short story, if if you broke those into short stories, like I don't, th- it was it wasn't even originally supposed to be a novel, right? So I mean, anyway, I think yeah, I I, I kind of see what you mean. Yeah, I think your argument more, um, I think your your argument more stresses the point that Bridges is not really a a novel so much as a collection of uh, which isn't stories, what I because it, it certainly is a novel and my, my point not <laughs> to stop over analyzing the structure of bridges and to get back to the question at hand uh, it is possible I think to write a novel where the viewpoints shift but they don't shift back and forth they just sort of shift sequentially right that is certainly doable yeah um, I want to say uh, I know of at least a couple novels that do that. Um, you can certainly do that, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I know I have another example other than just that. Um, oh, uh... Does the, um, does the George R. R. Martin series do that? You know, I haven't actually read Kids the books read myself. <laughs> do they switch viewpoints? Yeah, a lot. Okay. Yeah, multiple main characters. 
So, yeah. So the George R. R. Martin series kit tells us has multiple main characters. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. I know they have multiple main characters. So, but it, it, and yeah. it switches points of view. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. I know, I know, wheel, I know, Wheel of Time does. Okay. Okay. So when different characters, but same. Same. Same person is the. You mean it's first? It's always third person tight. But, but it, on different. But people. it's different people. Okay, that's that's what he's talking about. Yeah. I mean, I was just trying to undistract our producer Wolf. <laughs> Recording a podcast. I know. Come on. Priority. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. He got us on that. Um, um, selling our beautiful Unsheathed Volume 1 and 2 DVDs pace for our podcast. Available at Furry Weekend Atlanta. Or, also our, or non-existent, available. our non-existent donate button. And WonderCon. Yeah, on our non-existent website, which Kid is working on. Is he? Yeah. Hmm. We'll have a website, and it should have a donate button. Can we call, anyway. it, a, can we call it a web zone? No. <laughs> oh. But anyway, yes, you can certainly do that. Next question. Yeah. Also, is it like plausible to have a series of short stories written by the same author in the same setting? Yes. Yeah. See yeah. waterways out of position, bridges. Yeah. <laughs> Although you all just mentioned things that are also all novels. Well, they're a series of short stories. That's true. Um, no, Bridges is short fiction. That's right. The Earth of Mages does not define your existence, Kyle. No, that's true. Um, but, yeah. Final email here. Hello. Actually, we have, we have a, a oh, another question, question after yeah. that, too. But Our final if email. We have time. Yes. Hello. Whenever I start writing, I find that I start to lose concentration on what it is that I am writing and then start on some other story. I was wondering if you have any tips on how to finish something slash get inspired to finish what it is that you have started. Well, for some people need lube and some people... Nah. From the Gray Fox up north, Gree Alvord. Uh, for some reason, I don't... I was going to say for some reason recently, but I think it's still... It's just a perennial thing. Um, I get asked this question a lot. I don't know about you, but I get this question probably every other week. Somebody emails me and says... I have this problem where I can't finish the stories that I've started. Um, yeah, that's a, I don't get that. It, people don't email me as often as they email you. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I do get the, oh, I wish I could be a writer, but I never have the patience to finish anything. And, you know, um, there's a very simple answer to this. Sit down and finish your story. Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I'm always amused when people are like, uh, I don't have the patience to finish my stories, or I can't finish a story without getting distracted, or I get partway into a story and then I get bored, or I get yeah. partway into a story and then I don't like it. I'm like, well, part of being a writer is finishing your stories. It's not all, hey, I have a great idea and I'm going to write down my great idea and then everybody's going to love it. You have to finish it, and then you have to go back and edit it. And then you have to go back and edit it again. And then you have to make your next story better. And then you have to start, you know. That is part of being a writer. If you don't have the discipline to make yourself sit down and finish your stories, then... Either you teach yourself the discipline or you don't. Or or you find something else that excites you enough that you want to finish it. Yeah. I mean, if your problem is that you're like, okay, I want to write, and then you sit down in front of your computer and you're like, ah... I don't know what to write. My brain's not focused on something. Then, you know, the trick there is, okay, think about what you want to write, 
plan for it in your mind and have something in your head to write from when you do sit down to write it. Right. I mean, and if that's not your problem, you should be doing that anyway. <laughs> Unless you are really good at writing freeform, in which case, go with what works for you. But most people, I think, are going to need to You've got to do it. Have a You've mental, got to have that in your head. Yeah, yeah. Like, just plan it mentally. And then sit down. Like, somebody like actually asked me the other day, they were like, wow, it's like, how did you, you know, like, write this? Like, did you just, like, come up with the idea for it and write it? And I was like... How else would like, you do it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I, was, I read the question, I'm like, is this a trick question? Like, is there supposed to be another answer to this? Like, I was like, and I'm not trying to make fun of the person, but I'm just sort of like, no. what else would the answer be? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I know. How else are you going to do it? <laughs> Thanks, Liz Lemon. <laughs> Yay. That bitch. <laughs> Um, sorry, That's that what was... she said. <laughs> Look um, at all these dudes. I knew I smelled sausage. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we just got all our Thirty Rock uh, references out of the way in one swell foop. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's I, I would. I would go back and say, how do you convince yourself to finish anything? Yeah. I mean, if you're sitting around uh, playing a quest in WoW or something... I, I was going to just say the exact same thing. And the thing is, the thing terrifying. that... Is, it's like, you know what? After you've been playing WoW for eight hours, what do you have tangible to show for it? Oh, you gain more experience so you can play more WoW. It never I, ends. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to quite go that far, but I was going to say... But no, seriously... <laughs> Go on. Yeah, it's kind of a bad example because WoW is designed to make you want to play it more. Yes. So when you're in the middle of a quest, it's basically WoW is making you finish. But, and I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little revelation about our culture. Um, we're so media driven and and um, entertainment driven, and you know movies, TV shows, computer games. All of the stuff that we fill our time with is driven to make us want to complete it. And I think we lose the ability to make ourselves finish something that's important to us yeah. because we're used to being pushed to do it. That's so, true. So try, stop, you know, if you if you want to write, stop watching TV. Cancel your WoW subscription. Cancel your WoW subscription. <laughs> Um, and you know how I, I'm trying to think of other things. How do you make yourself finish anything? I mean, like, like my. How thing. do you stop yourself from walking out of your job at two in the afternoon? Yeah. No, like, here's here's my thing, and I'm I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but whenever I write, like I leave the house to write. I cannot write at home, unless under except under like weird random circumstances where like. I happen to honestly have nothing else to do, but if I'm home, I will distract myself. I will watch TV. I will play video games. I will putz around on the internet. Actually, that's the thing. With technology being as awesome as it is over the last couple of years where there's free internet everywhere, it's ruined my ability to even do that. Like, oh, I'll go outside and, you know, write. It's just like, ah, 
but now I'm not away from the internet anymore because the internet follows me. <laughs> and it's just like, ah. And like, you, some places you go into and you don't even need to enter something. It'll just connect you automatically. And I'll just see my Twitter box pop up with new tweets and I'm like, ah, <laughs> curse you. That happened to me this afternoon while I was trying to write porn. Although, hey, I at least hit my thousand words, so go me. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, that's one of my things. Leave the house. Wow, Otterar. Yeah, but no, okay, it's like, to, to make a point about this whole societal thing and how you try, finish yourself to try, write a story, like, the difference between writing a story and playing WoW is that, okay, like, at some point, the story will be over, and you'll have something tangible to show for it when you're done, something that you've accomplished that you can, like, go, here I do, like... After you're done with your level 70 Tauren Shaman, what do you have? You have a level 71 Tauren Shaman, which is only good for playing more WoW, so you can someday be a level 72 Tauren Shaman. That's not true. You can sell your characters, can't you? <sighs> I think that's illegal. All right. I don't know. So I'm going to say, think of... Think Stay of, in school. Think of, think of yourself... Think only of yourself. do drugs if it's for the experience. <laughs> think of yourself as a mountain goat toiling up the cliff of your story and the internet and the world are horrible eagles trying to drag <laughs> you off and drop you back to the bottom and eliminate all the progress you've made <laughs> uh, you don't want us to read the last question okay our, our, our producer Wolf is telling us that we've talked too much and that we have to stop now I'm sorry, Mr. Silver. <laughs> Eagles are bastards. Um, <laughs> please write to us at unsheathpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter, Live Journal, or Fur Affinity. Fur Affinity, I am Kyle. Um, Twitter and Live Journal, I'm Kyle Gold. I also have a website at kylegold.com, which has many things on it including my upcoming appearances, where to buy my books, where to find my stories. And the answer to the much-asked question, is there going to be an Isolation Play ebook? And the answer to the much-asked question, is there going to be a Waterway sequel? Is there going to be an Isolation Play sequel? Will you read my story? All these are answered on my website. <laughs> Visit Kyle's website and get a free pizza roll. Uh, <laughs> offer not valid on planet Earth. <clears throat> Leave a comment and I will email you a pizza roll. Uh, you can find me online at Live Journal for Affinity and Twitter as KM Hirasaki. And uh, if you go there now, you can find my, my new story. I wrote, I actually wrote a new story, and it's about sex, and it's online, and you can read it for free. Woo. And, oh, it's on SoFurry, too. That's not the one you wrote today, though, right? No, that one's not done yet. I'm writing another second story that's also going to be online that you can read for free. That's because I Soon. taunted him. I said, you, yes. about, you talk about sex all the fucking time. <laughs> oh my god. Why do you not write more? I made you swear. <laughs> yes. Um, which, is, which, is actually, which is actually amusing because, um, because I didn't swear when I was saying that to you. I'm just swearing on the I podcast know. because I'm still all worked up about the damn eagles. <laughs> you're worked up. Um, yeah, you're you're worked up more. Than God, I like am. all the wow fags are going to email the show saying that they're not going to listen anymore. Well, um, yeah, I'm also on Facebook by the way now. All right. I think if you search for Kyle Gold, you'll find me or my page. I usually do most of my updates through my author page, not through my personal wall. I don't know all the Facebook terms. 
I really, I feel like such a gray muzzle. Oh, today's today's I'm shirt on the with... author page with, but the wall you can write to, and I don't um, update. Um, tell us about the Woot shirt. Real today's Woot shirt, like I checked it at like ten in the morning, and it was already sold out. But it's just like the little thumb icon pointing sideways, and it just says "meh." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, no, I, I could see why it sold out so fast. Like it was probably sold out before like six. I was just like, okay, damn like, East Coast. That's pretty, yeah. Um, they probably all play WoW on the East Coast and have pet eagles. <laughs> all right. <laughs> By the time this podcast airs, that second now. sex story will probably be up. Do my what? Oh, 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 right, right, right. Will this be up before that? Okay. Uh, March 26th, uh, Saturday evening, 7 p.m., Blue Stockings Bookstore in New York City. I will be there. It is my first... It was my first appearance on the East Coast. Is it Atlanta's inland? Um, Atlanta's in the East, but anyway. First appearance in New York City, first appearance on the East Coast. Um, Blue Stockings, I discovered on Wikipedia, Blue Stockings was a name for educated intellectual women in the late 17th, or I'm sorry, mid to late 17th and early 18th centuries. So it actually works in my collations novel too. Um, they are a feminist bookstore run by some very nice people who were actually out here uh, a couple weeks ago because their families are all from California. Um, but they are very graciously, despite the fact that most of their books are like feminist politics and the you know gender studies and all that kind of stuff, um, they're very graciously allowing gay furries to invade their home. Do you like dudes fucking? Because that's uh, what I wrote. And their uh, event announcement is actually very cute. It's like, gay furry romance night. With Kyle Gold. So um, they're excited and we're excited. And I would love to have a bunch of furries show up and give them a good impression of furries. Um, bring bring some money either to donate or buy something from their cafe or buy something from their store. They will have my books for sale, but they also have a ton of other stuff. And we want to show up, fill the store, and uh, leave them quite happy. Leave them happy yeah. and asking for more. That's what she said. Woohoo! And hey, if if the feminists ask, you can always tell them that isolation play is all about you know the aspects of masculinity and femininity as applied to you know gay male relationships. Yeah, which it is. Yeah, that's not even a lie. I didn't even make that up. No, but it sounds good. All right, dun, 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 dun. drum roll, please. I have one last surprise for everyone. Uh, the next Unsheathed Presents is not another story about Kit and Kyle getting sticky with each other, but is, in fact, uh, a preview chapter uh, of the much, much, much talked about Summerhill. Uh, I guarantee that... I don't even think I called this out in the uh, notes that I recorded before it, but I can guarantee you that like this is not going to survive in this state to its final form, but it will give you an idea of who Summerhill is, what the story is like, and uh, just what it's all about. And uh, again, apologies to the people of New Zealand for what I did to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you guys as always for your questions. Um, thank you as always, Kit, for putting this together. And did we make it under an hour this time? Nice. All right. Good night, and keep writing. That's what she said. <laughs> that bitch. <laughs>